I don't know what's up there. One time our old landlord went up there and like <clears throat> stuff fell down and some of it was liquid. And so I'm just pretty afraid of, <laughs> of up there. He's like, it's wet up here. <laughs> I don't, I, oh yeah. That's our, uh, our hot blood sauna room in there. <laughs> Man, I we, can't believe, I can't believe you've never crawled up there. I'd be so curious. No, I things crawled down from there, so I, <laughs> I don't want to crawl up there. So One you open a hole. So you open it up and you start fighting like some kind of so- sword and sorcery adventure. Yeah, yar. <laughs> Roman Moonlights is Conan, so he's always yeah. ready for an adventure. To Batman in Quarantine, episode 76, everyone, the yawning maw of what was once a great celestial star. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's ep- it's issue number 12 of the second volume of Batman Incorporated by Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham. You spend a lot of time in comics and you start to hear and use the word penultimate a lot more often than you would have otherwise. <laughs> and this is the penultimate issue of this run. It's not the penultimate episode of this podcast because we will... We will drop in and say hello to people after it has ended. We'll do a wrap after a couple weeks after having finished it. Um, and like we talked about last week, we're excited to hopefully get some people to drop in and do a sign-off with us in the final episode. So I haven't checked the email yet, but maybe we've gotten some responses from folks about that. Very happy to have the whole crew with us. I'm Jeff. I'm Django. I'm Roman. I'm Justin. I, uh, for all of our listeners, I threw up a bit yesterday. I got a COVID test. I'm <laughs> clear of that. But the the sort of the I'm Jeff of my voice was related to a kind of physical exhaustion. But I didn't really realize that it was then going to cause Django to do a I'm Django, and then all of all like a sort of lackluster <laughs> wheels spinning out. So that was my bad, everyone. Do you want to do you want to do another take? No fucking way. I feel like <laughs> jazz music. And even when it's not great, you know, we have to honor the, the genuine nature of our experience by not going back on it. Damn, I felt like that was my most chipper. Well, you were you were good. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 we can all do it again. I'm, I'm Roman. Hey, out there. Wow. Roman's, <laughs> Roman's mic is coming in a little hot as it is. So that was that was like having God blow up your butthole. Not like explode it, but like with a straw. like Or two long fingers. Or two long fingers. <laughs> Roman's got the longest Man, fingers you- out there. You put a blue Oxford on him on him instead of a robe, and he's a whole new guy. Yeah, he really is. That's <laughs> he's got true. The longest fingers his, in there too. Uh, I know. Instead of his <laughs> Superman robe, I think it's actually cool. I'll tell our listeners uh, the days of recording and the times of recording for this podcast, as it started months and months and months ago, were a little bit coordinated by getting on in time to make sure we would be done recording, so Roman could get to work at the museum. But then the museum closed for. <laughs> the majority of the duration of this podcast. So we kind of just kept to this like Thursday morning at 10, try to be done at 11 thing. But this is the first week that the museum has opened back up and Roman's been asked to come back in. And I feel like it's very sort of Ouroboros, you know, it's like ending as it began with us getting out of here in time to get Roman to work. And, you know, like the clocks are just slowly resetting and things are going back to normal. Maybe this whole thing. Yeah, maybe this whole thing was a fever dream. <laughs> yeah, mate. <laughs> reference to Dallas. Oh, wow. That is a reference to Polo. 
Oh yeah, reference <laughs> total, not not Dallas. I just thought of like the emergence of the what Le- Leviathan is in this comic was COVID out in the real world, and as we've gotten closer to defeating Leviathan in the run, COVID has gotten is slowly being defeated. Well, it's a yawning maw as well. Yeah, a one-toothed yawning maw. <laughs> uh, this issue. Speaking of, is, teeth. speaking of teeth, <laughs> there's some bloody tefts in this issue. This is the, the you know, as we've said, penultimate. So this is primarily Batman fighting fatherless as his way of getting to Talia. And then we get a little bit more information about the spiral organization and don't get a full on reveal yet, even though I feel like we have some good ideas who that is. But we get a very red eyed, bloody mouthed Batman just wrecking the shit out of uh a tank aged version of his child. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask, I'm, I've been on sabbatical. Um, what do you guys, it's a bat. It's a bat. Oh, wow. The bat sickle. <laughs> how do you guys feel about this revved up super Batman? I like the idea of it. I liked that two issues ago, we kind of spent the time with him going to get the suit of sorrows, going to get the invisibility mechanism, going to get this giant metal suit to combine with the suit of sorrows so he won't get hurt in it. Um, I, I like that. It has a sort of like Dragon Ball Z time before the tournament vibe. My feeling about this one is that I like, I, I guess I like kind of that he has injected himself with man bat serum or is just jacked up on it. But as he's kind of dealing with the loss of his son and fighting Talia and probably battling with this idea of, is he going to have to kill this genetically modified other version of his son? I wish that he didn't have like red eyes and felt like a different version of Batman, you know? Cause like, I feel, feel like there's sort of a lot of emotional weight to doing what he's doing. And it'd be sort of like, you know, breaking up with your girlfriend, but getting really stoned or kind of drunk beforehand, which is like in the, for the sake of honoring the relationship you had, (laughs) wouldn't it be good to be fully present while you're doing it? It, That's that's, I I like it all, but there was that feel of like this, this is like not Batman at his most clear. Yeah. Yeah. But I think he needed to be that way in order to fight fatherless in this way. Like fatherless would have kicked his ass. Yeah. Otherwise Um, I like, I like the completion of father. I will become the bat. Like now he's like, he, he went half bat and now he's full bat. Like he literally injected himself with like bat DNA. He's wearing this horribly Gothic robot suit. I like that, but it all like, okay, I'm going to go get the magic armor and then I'm going to go get the like super big version of the robot thing. And then I'm going to get the bat serum all felt like Saturday morning cartoon. You know, it was a little cartoonish for, um, and I, I really like this fight, so don't let me just shit on the whole thing. It just it, it feels weird with the climax of where the story is at. I, I agree. I, I love that the thing that turns Batman off, and I, I guess we'll get to this later also, but the thing that shuts him down from being the berserker is the reveal of Fatherless's face. Yeah, like that's, oh, that's when he goes this, from being a awesome. totally fucked up, crazy, yeah, you're right, dude, to rational. I forgot. I mean, I didn't notice at the time, but you're right. They even like changed the coloring of his eyes from red to there is. That's a good. I like that they did that. I kind of just considered him 
red and nasty throughout the whole issue but you're right as soon as he sees that like it is damien's sort of unaged face there mm-hmm. he there is a bit of lucidity that's brought back to him so we're oh. sure that this is damien's clone and is, is damien a bruce wayne clone I and mean, I think he's like a half Bruce Wayne clone. So he's a clone. No. He's he's like taken from Talia and Bruce. Genetics, well, well, I think. Roman well, da- Damien's actually their biological kid. If Damien is the original kid that they had together. Yeah. I thought there was some cu- confusion, though. Like, wasn't he taken out in externally modified? <clears throat> I, I think so. Yeah, yeah I, I think it was retconned in this run that like because in the original stuff it was a baby that was born and i forget but i think you know halfway through this run ago or something we had a conversation where it is it kind of indicated that he is a test tube baby for like maybe the started gestating inside of her but i think that we even see like a flashback shot of him being in a tube or something so yeah i think it is for all intents and purposes the sperm and egg of batman and talia raised in a tube and then i would assume that you know, the, that genetics has been copied and used and all these other things as well. So okay. I consider him, I consider him as much Batman's son as Damien, although I didn't on the first read through, mm-hmm, but yeah. like, except for he wasn't raised by Batman, which is I think probably oh. where a lot of actual parenthood comes in. Yeah. Yeah. I see him as Damien's like weird fucked up little brother. Well, you know, in my, <clears throat> in the uh, soft cover trade paperback, um, volume two of batman incorporated there's one scene that I, I don't know if it happened this way in the comic but when they crash when fatherless and bruce crash through the window um and it's still fighting the color is screwed up because batman's eyes have gone white there his eye slits but then the next time they you see him they're back to red yeah it's hmm. like that in the issue also oh okay it's been corrected in the omnibus. You sons yeah. of bitches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is, again, it's nice to have a kind of a reading experience of both of them next to each other because that is like seeing the changes, especially the last couple weeks of talking about the art discrepancies. Like, I think it's been kind of rewarding to have both of those just see how a comic book inherently has flaws in it and how they're ultimately changed and as, as mm-hmm. things are recollected and whatnot. Star Wars. Star Wars. Uh, I thought there was a cool, like Doc Walk, his first paragraph in talking about this issue had a nice. Um, oh, and then for everyone, we did skip issue 11. I forgot that. I thought that was like a special, but we went from issue 10 to 12 here because 11 is the Chris Burnham uh, Batman of Japan run. Just so you didn't want to take a little breather between uh, cliffhangers and read a, a pen and ultimate fairly related story. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I like Doc Walk pointed out how the first panels of this issue are just like the first sort of that metaphor in Batman the Return, which is it starts with the David Finch drawn scene of the old bat kind of competing with the younger bats to fall into the the you know ultimately inspired bruce to become batman and i thought i didn't realize i draw that comparison while looking at this but that's the sort of same three panels and we do have this idea of like the old bat in the form of batman who's gotten all juiced up and is fighting for relevancy uh amongst all these other bats it's just a cool mm. little a little nod yeah that's cool and fatherless looks like batman like he's supposed to be the new batman that that new breed yeah like all kids want to be batman that opening splash page is so good with, with Batman coming down and like the the horizontalish stripe with the title and then all the man bats going up. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 
Natalia wearing her, her stupid pulp style skull mask, but there's no reason for her to be wearing that at all. Other than it's, it's just dumb and cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. We know who you are at this point, Talia. <laughs> yeah. I, and then cool mechanism to have the bats all injected with the anti-man bat serum so that they take them back. I, I really like the panel with the broken glass motif, but of the hand and the people going from bat to human, like mid transformation is a cool mm-hmm. touch. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I really and I really love the beginning of that page with Batman just squealing in bat speak and all the bats attacking the man bats. Yeah. <laughs> There's no real reason for it. I just like that he drops uh fatherless through a water reservoir. I just like seeing him upside down and then breaking through through that angle. That'd be brutal. I've always wished that I you know at least briefly lived in some great big old city that had water towers like that on the buildings, like at this comic and Spider-Man comics throughout the first yeah, show. I love them. <laughs> cause I've never, I've, yeah. Cause I've never seen a water tower on a top of a building ever. Spider-Man's <laughs> had to deal with going through a lot of those. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of backstory, Justin had touched on this uh, months ago when it had first showed up in Resurrection of Ra's al Ghul. And then we talked a little bit about the timing of the Azrael uh, that was talked about in the previous issue. But um, to clarify, Bruce is wearing Azrael's suit of sorrows beneath his bat exoskeleton, which is obviously the enchanted or cursed suit of chainmail. But this annotator was surprised to find out that the first appearance of the suit of sorrow was in the Resurrection of Ra's al Ghul. Uh, mistakenly thinking that it had been part of the Jean-Paul Valley Azrael series originally. But after Batman put it on display in the Batcave following the events of Resurrection, it was stolen at some point or uh, soon after R.I.P. by Talia and her agents, presumably, um, and eventually ended up back in the hands of its original owners, the Shady Order of St. Dumas, and the suit subsequently played a large role in the second Azrael series that launched out of Tony Daniels' Battle for the Cow, which is kind of last week what we were saying. was like, I'm pretty sure there was an Azrael series that came out of that Battle for the Cow, and, and that suit was the big thing that he was wearing in it. Yeah, I think the guy, I think the art is the person that's doing that Joker book now. Guillaume March? Yeah, I think that... Or at least maybe he did a cover. He did the B cover for this issue. He did the the cover Uh, that... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I collected that Azrael book. Um, Great costume. I kind of want to reread it because I read that whole thing and didn't realize it's the guy from Batman 666, or like the Demon Bat. I didn't realize that's the same character. Right. And so I don't know what I read because I did not pick that up at all. (laughs) Me neither. And like in the previous issue when Batman goes and grabs that suit, he is talking to that guy. And I was like, oh, this just has to be another member of Batman Incorporated or it's just Azrael, you know, like the first time I read it years and years ago. But now to sort of realize that he is the one, like that's why he has these visions as well. And he has this shit because he was the one who in that you know fever dream future like was he he's he's in bed with the devo is is the point yeah yeah one of my favorite panels is on the rooftop when bruce electrocutes fatherless it's like the his his hand with the, the hand extension yeah is in the foreground so cool it's so cool but i did talk about it last week i just can't imagine that it is convenient to fight when like there's a foot between like a foot of space between your fist and the end of this suit like it's it's uh, that gundam mentality of like it's got to be hard yeah. for your spatial reasoning to immediately adapt 
It'd be hard for us. It's not hard for Batman. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can tell who's not Batman in this room. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so juiced and he feels so large. He imagines his limbs are an extra foot. You know, he's just That's so true. large and in charge on That's that, true. that sweet bat juice. I feel that big. Yeah, big as fuck. I'm <laughs> so glad that Fatherless said, I'll beat your skull in instead of I'll break your back. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> If this was a Tom King run, it would have been I'll Break Your Damn Back, even though I love Tom King. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought... Scott, yeah, yeah, please. Uh, I was just going to say, I'm just glad to know there are people out there that want to do something like that aren't so obsessed with Batman's back. They're willing to do something else, like take his skull or rip his yeah, how is his off. Femur? How is yeah. that guy's calf doing? I break your pinky. <laughs> do you like a scapula? You don't have one anymore. <laughs> I'll break your damn babella. Your back, your neck. Oh, God. (laughs) And I thought, yeah, it was just a cool, it was a great cyclical, like, bring the metamaterial thing from the first issue of Batman Inc. back to this. Like, you know, he saw the end in the beginning, and that's, like, such a mechanic for this is that he becomes invisible to beat the shit out of Fatherless. And there's the great panel on the broken glass page of them fighting that shows the rain kind of bouncing off of his suited figure, and there's just the glowing bat there. This, uh really gives you like all you want out of a big dumb superhero fight you have like rainy buildings you get some invisible cool stuff you get a water tower you get a giant blimp fight it just gives you know your big rooftop battle everything that you could want you know but it's it, over the top but it is it is just that you know like it, yeah. it which is cool but in a run where two-thirds of it is this sort of like mysterious, ethereal, liminal space between what is real and what is a meta reference to the history of all things, I guess this big reread, you know, I've really enjoyed it, but it really has allowed Batman Incorporated to stand aside as this almost different thing. So I, I think that this penultimate issue is a great penultimate issue for the end of Batman Incorporated. But I, I want a little bit more from this in the next one to be the end of the 70 issue run, if that makes For sense. Sure. And I think I had some mixed feelings about it when I completed the series for the first and maybe second time, because it's like, oh, this is an ending to Batman Inc. and not an ending to everything that we've journeyed on together. Like you were saying, Jeff, maybe that's why the feelings were kind of hard for me before. And at this reading it this time, I'm like, I'm just having fun because you guys helped me like realize like this book is just slightly different than Batman RIP and Batman and Robin. Like you kind of have to read it with slightly different eyeballs. Yeah. Like as you're reading it a month between issues, or in this case, like Batman 11 had come out between this and 10. And I think there was even a delay as well. So it, it had been at least two months, but maybe as much as three months between this issue and the one where he's flying to the ceiling, you know, in all juiced up. So I, I do think that like the pacing of it, made it a difficult read. And then I also think when you're reading in a month apart that it did feel like more of an extension of the Batman and Robin into this. Like it felt like there was a gap. Whereas in reality, like they separated the omnibuses. Like it's a, it's a, a wholly different thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I just um, noticed, notice, oh, go ahead, Django. No, you go ahead. Oh, thanks. Um, I just noticed on that, <clears throat> that blimp, it says Damarung, which is the German word for twilight, um, like in Gotterdammerung, God, which is another word for the twilight of the gods, um, Ragnarok, mm. all that. 
but the three panels where you can see what the word is, the third panel, uh, Burnham wiped out some of the letters. I wonder what, I wonder what, yeah, I wonder what the uh, meaning there, that's a little secret communication to like his family or something or what that, what that I, is. I assumed that the A and the U missing meant that he's a big fan of Australia. I think it's, I think it's an Australia <laughs> reference. Ah. And also that's the company that Morrison has used as a stand-in for technology. It's the alternative to Samsung. So even in final crisis, when the human flame guy that like videotapes them killing Martian Manhunter, his yeah. cell phone that he uses yeah. is a damn rung. Really? Um, instead wow. of Samsung. And then earlier in this series, like with El Gaucho at the beginning of Batman Incorporated, he has some technology that's damn rung as well. Oh, wow. I've never noticed that. Cool. It is cool. I, like, I like that uh, Talia refers to Fatherless as my Leviathan. Has, has, is that a connection that they've made before? Good question. I don't know if I've caught it. Because <clears throat> he, he came out of a whale. Right. Right. And like, did she name her whole organization after her kid or did she name her kid after her organization? That the second one seems more in vain with this Talia. It seems weirdly kind of sweet to build the whole thing off of your super soldier son. (laughs) (laughs) She's a a cold hearted woman in this. Yeah. Branding. I must name my child comics place. (laughs) And, And like, yeah, this is, I guess I can't immediately pull any other references, but like, you know, I think, and probably other people feel differently, but I think Talia has always been kind of a bad, a bad girl. Um, but to me, this run really irons out the, you can't go back from this type of bad. Like, I think that there was like a great, even Ra's al Ghul at times can feel a little like, is he good? Is he bad? Is he just his own kind of, anti-ethical hero of his own type but here like being responsible for the death of one of her sons actually cutting off the head of this other one um exploding yeah yeah like there's a really like this is the definitive this is the moment that talia can't come back like this is now she really is one of the one of the real real baddies yeah yeah she's like capital e evil in a way that like maybe only joker and hurt in i don't i I mean that's hard to measure who's who's more evil and who's just more kind of twisted and wrong but like i think she's more evil than raz al ghul in this version of revenge because raz al ghul at least has his his twisted what he thinks he's doing is right for the world like he thinks Mm -hmm. he's helping the world and this is like no i just want to like destroy this guy's life on every conceivable layer of reality and do it in the most painful, brutal, fucked up symbolic way. And that's, that takes some, some deep, deep visceral cruelty, you know, like, so uh, like what I'm doing to Django. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Indiana Jones and the temple of doom. A lot of it was written during a really horrible divorce. And that's where you get like the shrill, woman and the ripping your heart out and like a lot of the (laughs) themes in that are related to george lucas's divorce at the time was grant going through something to write he's been such a he's such like talia is just such a such an ex-wife to batman right here like like the the evil ex-wife turned up to 11 they've been married to 
their wife Kristen, I believe is her name for ever. I mean, like, nice. I, I think, you know, back to like, I think they've been together back since he was like doing the invisibles. So maybe has of the four of us, has anybody ever had a breakup? That's that rough. Anybody really feel I Django, you went through a period of time where you only ate avocado. Yeah. I, I ate avocados and cliff bars for about six weeks there. I got down to my high school weight. Hey, my of first <laughs> breakup was bad, but it wasn't like, you know, she was trying to like undo everything that I've done. No, I mean, has anything me. ever <laughs> happened where you've wanted to undo? Like, have you ever been the spurned lover where you want to, you know, get some jeans and uh, make a baby <laughs> out of them? I was going to say, get some jeans, <laughs> cut some holes in them, wear them around, look really good. <laughs> I haven't. I've always uh, just figured eh, it's their loss. Oh man, I wish I <laughs> And that's why Django is collectively all of our daddy. Yeah. I just wallow in self pity pity and wear sunglasses everywhere. <laughs> man, that guy's fucking cool. That's like my hey, Justin, alcoholic... are you going to a funeral? Maybe I am. That's my alcoholic like romantic fantasy is I just love a sad sunglassed person dwelling in self loathing and drowning themselves in alcohol is like for whatever reason one of my most admired personality types it's really unhealthy but Same. i fucking admire the fuck out of it no i love it that yeah. like the type of person that smokes clove cigarettes in a cafe and doesn't give a fuck and has the sunglasses on 24 7 yeah at least you they have this know. in a bigger size and a more of a plastic bottle yeah this bottle's a little tight in the crotch <laughs> oh gosh buddies um it it does I think reading it with the proximity to the other issues that we have been did allow for this scene where Damien is, well, not Damien, when Fatherless is unmasked. The sadness of that hit me more this time. Like, just like this is, and like Bruce is so fucking mad and he's beating the fuck out of this thing. And then the mask comes off and it's just, even that line, sons are born to die in war. What did, what, what is, I'm curious what people's just sort of interpretation of that was. That's his oh. indoctrination speaking. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The indoctrination. I was curious if it was. It feels like a line from something else. Like it feels like some old. It does. Yeah. Or like it just, I didn't know if it was you know speaking to the role of robins maybe or speaking to the role of sons holistically through history does it feel like sons have been raised but you know i ultimately yeah i came to that spot of like that's that's probably what talia has literally taught these people which is that you are born to die in war but i thought there was just I, some interesting kind of robin batman yeah, damian I, dynamics there i really like your read like maybe the idea of like talia raising robins to believe that because that's what bruce does to his children and him like literally believing that rather than like saying like because what happened with bruce and jason is totally circumstantial and not his fault but like i really like the idea of like him believing that's what he needed to do to be a good son it's like oh i'm here to die for for my mother you know and um i like that read a lot i really like the scene it's really fucked up and twisted but it's like Bruce goes, Oh God, no. Like, yeah, he, I, something about that really kind of woke me back up to loving Bruce and seeing that Bruce, there's a good man in there rather than just a badass dude. 
yeah um like he's just like oh it's a fucking kid like i cannot beat up <laughs> you know even though he's this hulking thing at the end of the day he looks like a baby and he's confused like a child like what am i doing you know he feels dirty doing it and um and i yeah. and i love and i love the fact <laughs> leading into it that that uh you get to see nightwing and and knight for the the recently squire um doing the doing their version of the the double punch thing to shatter his helmet and sidekick th- slap yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and you just think oh that's cool that's a nice moment and then it leads into this horrifying reveal yeah they're and all just so drunk on wanting revenge for damien's sake fatherless's hands in that baby reveal panel look like bruce's hands yeah right after yeah. he got out of the safe yeah yeah actually justin that's a great point the they're all just drunk on wanting revenge for damien like i don't think my original read through i had really kind of felt the loss that everyone else besides bruce is also feeling like when knight is just like this is for my friend or no sorry damien says that but like she's like i'll kill him let me at him and you know date or dick is holding her back and like the you know it's not I read somewhere, but sort of like in the previous issue and or two issues ago, when Bruce says like Damien came in like a bolt of lightning into our lives and then was gone quickly. And someone do the comparison between like the bolt of lightning hitting the W that prevents Knight from going into the building or that uh, there's another bolt of lightning, just this sort of like kind of mythical feeling of like the, the spirit or the, the role of Damien is still a little bit there, but all, all of that is just sort of, this is more than a relationship that just meant something to Dick and Bruce. It, it also meant something to a lot of other people as well. And I can only imagine Knight how lost her mentor. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and so this, this thing, this poor evil twisted thing killed someone that was close to every one of these people. And then like most evil twisted things, it's revealed to be just a, a scared malformed thing that had evil done to it, you know? And so that, that whole scene is like, they, they deserve it. And they want to kill this, this thing so bad. But at the end of the day, they see that it is also a vulnerable, sad in its own way. It's a byproduct of its environment. It kind yeah. of, I mean, looking at that baby in that man body suit is hard to look at. I used to do like lightsaber fights with Max when he was like five, maybe four or five. And as an adult who should be better at lightsaber fights than a five-year-old, Max would just not hold back at all. And he would go wild and I would get hurt pretty bad when we did it. And just thinking about like, him not holding back, him not caring if he hit your fingers or your balls or whatever made me think of the way that fatherless fights, Uh, right? Like he doesn't, he's, he's so young and he's so strong that he doesn't, he doesn't know how to hold back or, or what's not even really what's fair, but just like the way that he whipped night around, you wouldn't see, you would, you would either see an inexperienced fighter who because they're a kid or somebody who's just totally fucking evil do it and i think that it was more the first than the second in that case yeah 
Roman and I see the same therapist, which is maybe problematic in and of itself, but uh, a metaphor that he <laughs> only for the therapist. <laughs> yeah, uh, but a, a oh my, metaphor. Oh my God, these two. Jeez. He all, often <laughs> says is that like you know scorpions adult scorpions are generally way less likely to kill you baby scorpions are way more likely to kill you it's because they haven't really learned how to uh, like use their venom um you know in a way like they are always going for the kill because that's all they know there's like that that brutality of of naivete and innocence like they just sting the shit out of like they'll, they'll take you down whereas an adult will preserve it or you know kind of know what is needed but yeah it's that the naivete of youth causes you to just yeah, and on the topic of straight. naivete of youth, like I, I kind of love the way that I guess I interpreted as Batman kind of tricking him into like he saw that the jetpack. Although also there's a fuckload of jetpacks in this issue. There are just <laughs> there's there are a lot of people with jetpacks in here. Um, but kind of Batman almost goads him into saying like your jetpack failed too bad. And so he results to this childlike, like, no, it's not. No, it's not. And the way that <laughs> yeah. kind of then, like, finally falls is, like, nothing's wrong with my jetpack. Like, I took, like, in that child, that childlike way that they don't want adults around them to be right, you know? Like, no, it's not. Like, and then it was the reliance on that that kind of caused things to go haywire. Are we um, still talking about your therapist? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> 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 got a jetpack? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh, like I, that. <clears throat> I like the contrast with uh, how right before that, the W crushes father or blocks them off from. At first, I thought Father was Scott crushed. I did too. But uh, but I love the fact that Bruce then stops the two, you know, his original sidekick and the former sidekick from getting squished by it, and then you go to the scene of, you know, fatherless confronting his mom and what she does, and it's just a nice commentary on their different styles of how they treat yeah. their kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that decapitated head is kind of reminiscent of the decapitated head in the beginning of, was it this series or was it the Batman and Robin? I think it was in the return, right? With Jezebel okay. Jet's head yeah. cut off or maybe, oh, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe Leviathan strikes. I always get those two issues confused. But one of yeah. those two has a, just a big old severed Jezebel Jet head with one eye, which I think then feeds back also into that eye of Gorgon you know, mm -hmm. Talia mythos thing. The shot, like the, I don't want to go to mom's house. He always, she always cuts off my head and <laughs> make sure I only have one eye. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I like the fact that Talia, right before she does that refers to herself as, as Medusa and a couple other people and the wire mommy from mm -hmm. Mr. Pig's inspiration. Yeah. Or professor, <laughs> professor Pig's inspiration. Mr. Pig. <laughs> Mr. Pig. Oh God. Yeah, she's aligning herself with every with uh, every bad lady in history and in myths. She's she's pretty scary. And then she's like, oh yeah, it's no problem for me to cut my own child's head off when he's no longer used to me. And and you know, in looking back at this today, while Batman is fighting uh, fatherless and they're running around, going all over, Talia does say, um, "Tell the pilot to wait on my order." Um, Leviathan deserves another chance to prove himself. So she's mm. blowing up the city with Leviathan's armor. So in that moment, it's like she decides, like she's, I, I interpreted that as don't blow up his armor yet. Like don't destroy, don't kill Batman and Leviathan yet. He deserves another chance to see if he can kill Batman. And mm. then he can't. So that's when at the end of the issue, she decides to have it actually blow up. Okay. Or, <laughs> 
Or yeah, they could be could be not that. Is she calling Batman her Leviathan there? Hmm. Possibly, like he has, a, he's got an opportunity to prove himself that he's willing to kill this kid. If he can, if he can beat Fatherless, oh. then she won't blow up the city. That's yeah. kind of like a, a Joker paradox, where either way he wins, right? Like I'll yeah. kill you if you don't, but if you do it, then you've betrayed who you are. In yeah. a weird, twisted way, that would be like the man that Talia wants too. Like maybe in her twisted mind, like if he gives up and kills his own kid clone soldier thing he'll be evil enough to join me in my leviathan empire like yeah in that way that's kind of him being her type again yeah yeah that's true a random observation that i think is just so awesome about burnham in that badass horrible scene where it's all red and she's slicing uh sorry leviathan or fatherless through the head the swipe is one clear swipe, and she gets the tip of his finger too in that oh, one. No, oh, I didn't notice the finger. You're right. So she's just like such a quick thing. She gets his hand in motion too, and that's just such a wow. badass, like uh, Japanese cinema style. Yeah, samurai chop. Oh, so it is. Cool. That's funny. It made me think. Wow, that's a Jeff Darrow type of move. But yeah, Jeff Darrow is inspired by Japanese cinema, among other. Jeff, it's a very Roroni Kenshin style. Yeah. <laughs> Batosai, the manslayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, on that, you know, when she does finally have, like, she blows up the top half of Wayne Hint Tower. And like, it is a bomb inside of Fatherless's armor, which kind of speaks to the fucked up relationship she was having with him the entire, like she's just been waiting for the the reason to need to blow him the fuck up but the symbolism of blowing up the incorporated wayne tower you know it, it's kind of this like i can't remember if their son that says it with their son is just this very like bringing an end to the wayne incorporated morrison run which is like mm-hmm. you know the the metropolitan businessman and like blow that up and kind of you know retreat it a little down. bit yeah reduce him back down to his original self but just like one last note on how fucked up Talia is like she now that her son warrior soldier that is designed to kill her lover slash his dad is no longer used. She uses his corpse to blow up his company. Like she is so <laughs> obsessed with Batman. She is just crazy. She's a just real like, bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I want a girl that's that into me. <laughs> I'm that into you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I feel so flattered. See, I don't uh, think she I don't think she's crazy necessarily. She's just that this is this run has made her so interesting because I don't think she's crazy. She's but she's you know been raised by an abusive, neglectful yeah. father and then spurned by the world's greatest detective, one of the smartest men on the planet apparently um and i don't know i mean you could you could extrapolate that she's this symbol of of spurned fucked over womanhood and you know mother you know mothers that sacrifice everything and till they end up twistedly sacrificing their child their children (laughs) and if if your paradigm isn't to save the children or if you don't value life then that gives you a whole lot of new options mm-hmm. right she's yeah. crazy is a bad word and i apologize no but i know ex- i i told i know exactly what you mean like mm-hmm. obsessed and fucked over in her growth and her motivations i would say are like the foundation of her motivations have been shaken to the point where like yeah like it's just you know. so different than how we would conceive of things right she's kind of like that 
beyond good and evil Nietzsche, I think she's just like a whole mm. level of being raised as like a superhuman who sh- sees herself above human life. That there's just, it's almost hard to understand where she's coming from at all. Right. She needed yeah, a like, wire yeah, mother. This, <laughs> yeah. This, this run kind of, it elevated her from being like a kind of a classic, the spirit type of fen fatal to a truly evil, dangerous person. Yeah. And she's <laughs> murdering yeah, person. She's kind of like a, like a evil goddess like she's just like this goddess of destruction she's you know she she's pretty hard to kill and she she's smarter than batman i think yeah um yeah and she's like the son of kind of a weird you know raz al ghul is he totally human or not he he's eternal you know she she's she's like a demi goddess or something you know she's she's really elevated to a, a new level of foe you know she ain't no scarecrow yeah the first thing she identifies herself is is collie <laughs> mm-hmm. you don't want to fuck with Kali. yikes <laughs> um i think the final page of this issue is really interesting the helicopter that she's carried in is starkly black and red kind of tying back the black and red motif she is in an outfit that's black and red the helicopter is flying over wayne manor and it's the same diagrams that the morrison and clark issue and batman and robin and 10 showed when they're like showing the like how that it's been moving and changing through time Hmm. um but then beyond that the panel of her running to the clock is an exact mirror of burnham's first issue on the series check this out i'm showing it on the thing but it's burn like oh. batman running in to go fight dr hurt oh, it's wow. the exact the same color scheme is like the green beneath the door and then the next page or the next panel rather um is is similarly the the exact same panel that batman walks into the cave as down to like a big staircase on the side <laughs> then he approaches oh. down to the cave which is again batman robin oh. 16 which is burnham's first issue on the series um, oh that's awesome well so then her somebody. her pose on the last panel feels like uh son of the demon or pride of the demon to me what what i as cool as those references are the thing that sucks to me <laughs> was that we are in the page like a couple pages before that we're hanging out with you know kathy kane who's still a mystery who's like wearing an outfit that presumably is red and black. And then the next shot is, is Talia wearing a dress. And then we go to this shot of Talia going in here. My first time reading this, I did not know if that was Talia or if that is the Batwoman that's leading spiral because Talia was just wearing a totally different outfit. Like, she does mention a chopper, but that to me was like, as someone who was not incredibly steeped in Batman at the time, that was pretty confusing storytelling. Mm-hmm. How many yeah. costumes does I, Talia have? <laughs> yeah. I, I can see how that'd be confusing though. I guess if you were a shoe wear fetishist, I mean, the one in the Nightwing's talking to, she has, she has high heels, but they're, uh, short i don't know what you call that they, they if, don't come up very far and then talia's yeah and talia talia's wearing boots you know thigh high boots yeah just below the knee um yeah. <laughs> well well hey everybody before we get out of here we should check the email reserves right yeah uh, because yeah. as we all remember last week Django posed a question for our crossover question of the perfectly acceptable podcast um I at totally remember end, that. At the end of Papcast, <laughs> we got at least, and I see a couple um, 
a couple people who are interested in joining in for the final episode, so we're going to do that. But I do have at least one response from Andrew to the question that was posed at the end of PapCast a couple of days after Batman in Quarantine last week. So let's check what that is. It's right here. Andrew Carlson, friend of the show, Foxworth, love it. Um, Heyo, this is definitely the easiest question Django has asked yet. The question was, what non-Batman artist from the Morrison run would you like to be seen doing all the covers for the run? And so Andrew says, easiest question yet. I would want Sienkiewicz to do every cover. Man, Mm -hmm. we never get enough Sienkiewicz Batman. However, on a more esoteric weird note, I'd love to see David Rubin do all the covers. He could do some fun mythological references like Burnham did while maintaining the cartoony fun style, especially for Batman Inc. and the Batman and Robin. Great question, Django. P.S. Who has the best and worst smelling farts in the DC Universe, Marvel Universe, all of comicdom? Enjoy that one. We'll answer that on Perfectly Acceptable Podcast this week. (laughs) For more about farts, check out our other podcast. (laughs) And at the end, Andrew did mention, I also want to say, Django, please never change. (laughs) Um, With a D-J-A-N-G-E. Thank you for that. We are nearing the time where we've got to get Roman to work, which is a beautiful stopping point for our penultimate issue episode run thing here. Anybody else got any cl- closing notes on this issue before we get out of here? Just love that little finger nub. Love that finger nub. That was a great catch. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. It's sad to see it end, but mm-hmm. it's all ending can't believe we're here beautifully the way it's all he's wrapping it all up i mean wow it's very impressive i can't wait to talk about gothic with you guys yeah i mean we all like motorcycles (laughs) to some degree (laughs) um yeah well okay on that case everybody this was batman in quarantine issue episode 76 of batman incorporated still can't believe how similar those phrases or words <laughs> are that was probably the jeff at the end of time telling the jeff the naive jeff of almost a year ago that he should call it that but um yeah this was episode 76 we'll have one more for the run and then we'll do a follow-up wrap-up hopefully get some listeners on board for that um oh, yeah. and talk party. about what yeah talk about what we dug what we learned our ultimate feelings about the whole thing and then I would bet occasionally we'll drop in to do things like Battle for the Cowl or the Graham Morrison documentary, things like that. But until then, we'll see you all next week. Django, you just looked out the like the window like you had a thought. Well, it's, oh, gosh. You forgot which this podcast this was. This is already too much buildup. I, oh, okay. I was just going to say we should call it a rip party. Oh, okay. Uh, um, so after, do a funeral? After, yeah. after we record the final episode next week for the final issue, we'll do our rip party. And that was very good. I'm sorry I built that up for everybody. Well, thank you all for joining, Roman. Good luck going back to the workforce in a place yeah, that's buddy. not the comic shop, which is where we all in all the always Leviathan. Thanks. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is. End of the belly, belly of the whale. Belly of the whale. Well, good luck. You'll be safe and good. Um, great to have all four of us here. I hope to have all four of us next here. week when we get this thing done. Thanks, everybody. I'm Jeff. I'm Roman. I'm Justin. Chicken with Justin. Damn it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you all next week for 77.